0: Joshua chapter 11, let's pray before we begin. Father, I thank you for this time, Lord, and this, this wonderful foreshadowing we have in the book of Joshua of ourselves, Lord, being able to possess that which you have promised us, Lord. You say in your word, Lord, that even as we died with Christ, we also have the privilege of living the resurrected life, Lord. And this is a life that we embrace by faith and in much the same way as, as Joshua and the armies of Israel possess the land of Israel. We are to possess the promises of, of the resurrected life, which says in Romans 14 is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, uh, among many other things. But Lord, I pray as we're going through Joshua, these chapters, that um, this will come to life once again. Lord, we need it. We need that encouragement, Lord, from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the setting here, the children of Israel now, uh, well into their campaign to possess the promised land they were about 40 45 years earlier delivered from the land of egypt from slavery wandered around in the desert wilderness for 40 years had uh, then crossed through the jordan they thrust through the middle of the land of Canaan, modern-day Israel, uh, divided, though I mean, conquered those cities and nations uh, in the middle. Then they went south, conquered those nations. Chapter 11 is about their conquering the north. So uh, let's begin. Verse 1 of Joshua chapter 11 says, And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor, heard these things, Uh, speaking of um, the nation of uh, uh, the children of Israel defeating all the cities in the south, that he sent to Jobab, king of Madon, and... To the king of Shimron, to the king of Akshaph, and to the kings who were from the north in the mountains, in the plain south of Chinnereth, in the uh, lowland, in the heights of Dor on the west, to the Canaanites in the east, in the west, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Perizzite, the Jebusite, in the mountains, and the Hivite below Hermon, uh, in the land of Mizpah. And so they went out, they and all their armies with them, as many... People as the sand that is on the seashore in multitude with very many horses and chariots. And when all these kings had met together, they came and camped together at the waters of Marom to fight against Israel. So here you have it. Um, almost certainly uh, the biggest challenge that the children of Israel have had to this date, you know, the the Lord will grow you up in time. He's not going to send the, uh, uh, or he's not going to send or allow to be sent the uh, biggest army or trial or tribulation against you at the beginning of your walk uh, some of you may be thinking oh my uh, if I've already been sent this what's coming my way now well <laughs> ah, I don't want to try to answer that question but um, the Lord will only is the promise in the Bible I believe it's First Corinthians 10 13 he's only going to be give us the um, tribulations, trials that we are able to bear up under and will always provide a uh, a, a way of escape. And so uh, here, uh, midway to three quarters of their way uh, into their campaign to possess the nation of Israel, they meet the biggest trial yet. Uh, and that is an army which is so large uh, the members of the army were as sand that is on the sh- seashore. Uh, and as well, there were many horses and chariots. Israel didn't have horses. They didn't have chariots. And they were would have been far, far um, outnumbered here. And so, um, you know, the Lord is... What I have found in my years uh, walking with the Lord, he will deliberately uh, keep me in a simpler, weaker place uh, because um, he doesn't want us trusting uh, in our intelligence, in our, uh, in our riches, in our strength. He, d- he doesn't want... Uh, us to do that. In fact, um, verse 6 uh, validates this very thing. So when Joshua views this army, uh, which which is so large, um, again, as many people as the sand that is on the seashore, the Lord said to Joshua in verse 6, Do not be afraid because of them, for uh, tomorrow about this time I will deliver all of them slain before Israel, and you shall hamstring their horses and burn their chariots with fire. Now, why would the Lord do such a thing? Why would he hamstring um, all the horses, which is effectively putting, um, more or less putting them to death, um, as well as burn um, all the chariots? Well, uh, Proverbs, I mean, Psalm chapter 20 Uh, says this, verse 7, some trust in chariots, some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You see, uh, God had Joshua hamstring the horses and burn the chariots because if Israel just kept all the horses and the chariots, then in their remaining battles that they, they would just trust in those things and the lord didn't want them to 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 do that remember in the book of deuteronomy i believe it was where the lord told um the nation of israel when when you you know when when kings are appointed to you they are not to multiply chariots they're not uh, rather they're not to multiply um horses or, or silver and gold. He, he did not want them to be relying on their own human strength. He wanted them relying on the Lord. And so God will keep you deliberately small. So here, the technology that Israel had um, was far inferior. Numerically, they were inferior. But the Lord said to Joshua, don't be afraid, because um, about this time tomorrow, I will deliver all them slain before Israel. And so, um, so important that we put our trust in the Lord and not spend um, every waking hour or even one waking hour just accumulating and hoarding to ourselves um, just so we have a good backdrop uh, you know if we fail or something like that Uh, we need to be trusting in the lord and uh, be just using whatever resources he's given to us and if there are resources that he hasn't given to us um, and it doesn't look like he's going to give us. We go with what he's given us, and leave the rest to him. It's his problem. We're not our own problem. We're his problem, and our victory is his problem. All we need is obedience. That's what we're responsible for. The result is his. Verse seven says, "So Joshua and all the people of the war uh, of war with him came against them suddenly by the waters of Merom and they attacked them, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Israel, who defeated them, and chased them to greater Sidon, to the brook Mishrefbath, and to the valley of Mitzpah, eastward. They attacked them until they left none of them remaining. So Joshua did, verse 9, to them as the Lord had told them. He hamstrung their horses and burned their chariots with fire. I mean, that must have been a very, very difficult thing for Joshua to do. Uh, you know, in, in his heart, he's be thinking, oh, he, he had to have been thinking, well, you know, maybe the Lord didn't really tell me uh, to, to hamstring all of them or burn all of these chariots. Uh, you know, surely uh, we could use them for future battles of His. No, He told them everything. And so Joshua did. Of course, famously, um, Saul, when he battled the Amalekites, uh, the Lord said, you need to wipe all of them out, and um, I don't want you keeping any of the booty. And, uh, uh, and, And Samuel shows up after the victory, and he hears the bleeding of sheep, and um Saul said he said to Saul what are the, what's the bleeding of sheep about and Saul said well I'm keeping them for sacrifices and what's the king of amalekites doing you know well I thought he'd be useful to us you know and and um and and uh, what was the response um the 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 response was uh, Saul really lost his position of leader of of Israel. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. So God's always going to be putting you uh, in a position of needing to exercise faith. So there you have it. Um, Joshua obeyed, verse 10 says, Joshua turned back at that time and took Hazor and struck its king with the sword and for Hazor was formerly the head of all those kingdoms. And they struck all the people who were in it with the edge of the sword, utterly destroying them. There was none left breathing. Then he burned Hazor with fire. So all the cities of those kings and all their kings Joshua took and struck with the edge of the sword. He utterly destroyed them, as Moses the servant of the Lord had commanded. But as for the cities that stood on their mounds, Israel burned none of them, except Hazor only, which Joshua burned." And uh, interesting there, so Hazor burned, Jericho burned, Ai burned, but all the other cities uh, the, the, Israel went in and, and occupied them, uh, which reminds me of Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses tells the children of Israel when they were on the east side of the Jordan, they had not yet possessed the land. This was the promise. He said, so it shall be when the Lord brings your your God, brings you into the land of which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give you large and beautiful cities, which you did not build, houses full of good things, which you did not fill, hewn out wells, which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees, which you did not plant. When you have eaten it, eaten it full, beware, lest you forget that the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, yeah, he was the one who gave you those things. So um, they were promised this. They were promised these large and beautiful cities and houses full of good things. Uh, and, and so they they went in. Uh, and so then it says here, It says, And all the spoil of these cities and the livestock the children of Israel took as booty uh, for themselves, but they struck every man with the edge of the sword until they had destroyed them, and they left none breathing. As As the Lord had commanded Moses' servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So uh, uh, Joshua obeying the Lord here, even after the uh, the defeats of these cities. And, um, you know, I, there's this distinction between a temporal faith and and a saving-like faith. A a temporal faith, you know, you you get yourself in a bad financial situation, and you're, Lord, if you can save me from this, I will, um, I I, I promise I'm gonna follow you with all my heart and all my soul, and the Lord rescues you from that financial situation, and pretty soon you've forgotten about your commitment, and um, there's no follow-up of obedience. And, uh, or you're in a relationship that's on the brink of destruction, and you cry out to the Lord, Lord, if you'll save this relationship, I promise I'll follow you with all my heart or soul. Or, or, or I'm single and I, I want that spouse. If you find me a spouse, I'll follow you with all my heart and soul, whatever. And, and, and the Lord answers, and then there's not the follow up. Um, but that is. Uh, th- that is a temporal faith. It's not a faith that will be rewarded. It's not a faith that will result in a fruitful life. Joshua obeyed that which he was called to do. Um, he didn't keep some of the stuff for himself like Saul did. And when it said utterly destroy, he actually did it, unlike Saul did. So, um Obedience so important in the Bible. Verse sixteen says, "Joshua took all this land, the mountain country, all the south, all the land of Goshen, the the lowland of the Jordan plain, the mountains of Israel, and its lowland." From Mount Halak and the Ascent to Seir, even as far as Baal Gad and the valley of Lebanon below Mount Hermon, he captured all their kings and struck them down and killed them. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Uh, And so we learn from Joshua 14, verse 10, that the conquest of the the initial conquest I should say of the entire long until uh, of, the, uh, of the of the of the entire land until it says there was rest in the land it took from about five to seven years five to seven uh, years you know uh, It's important to understand, so important, that really many of the promises of God, that God promises us, uh, they they happen over time. Uh, you know, um, there are some victories that we get immediately. Uh, I just think of in, in you know, in... Uh, it, 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 in my life i uh, just i had a sexual addiction to pornography that was gone uh, about a year after i was uh, walking with the lord it did take that long um, and uh, before I was saved, I I thought nothing of lying and stealing that uh, and 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 cursing. Those things went almost immediately. Um, other things such as issues with anger and self-control um, have taken longer. But um, I've seen uh, great progress over the years. But it takes time. It the 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 Israelites did not just go into the land and then immediately, within the first six months, uh, within the uh, first six months, experience um, all the victory. And, uh, you know, there's there's many reasons for that, including some which are explicitly given. One is in Deuteronomy 7.22, and Exodus twenty three twenty nine, where it is the children of Israel are told, look, it's it, you're not going to immediately take over the land, lest the land become desolate, taken over by wild beasts, and 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 the land is in other words, you're unable to manage the land if if you just get it all at once. Um, but you know, as well, there's just the principle if. All the victory is virtually overnight of that whole area. Uh, that victory will soon be forgotten and, and despised. You know, if you you fight for things over time with great zeal, uh, the, the the victory is cherished uh, so much more. Um, it's it, it's also. Uh, it, it the long uh, exercise here of five to seven years of warring, uh, the Israelites uh, grew skillful in the art of of war, and as well as they grew in patience and their courage and their and their uh, trust um, of God. And uh, and this is so true that if we immediately. Um, get a victory in a certain area we're human beings we' we're fall're we're fallen nature uh, we uh, we have this corrupt nature that will stop seeking the Lord will we'll, we'll stop seeking him and and becoming dependent on him and so as the the Lord in his great mercy and grace, allows the the trial to be extended he's growing our faith he's growing our uh, dependence on him and really uh it does take uh a lifetime i i, I think of the apostle paul uh, 25 years into his ministry 35 years after being saved he says in philippians chapter 3 not that i have already attained or am already perfected But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has laid hold of for me. And brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. The Lord will keep us crying out to him. And overnight victories uh, sometimes may be the worst thing uh, that that are given to us. Um, in terms of for maintaining uh, a a healthy relationship with the Lord. Growing takes time, uh, particularly in those more heart areas where uh, the pride and and envy and jealousy, these types of, of things. But if you continue seeking the Lord each day, opening the Word of God, pouring over it, meditating on it, having a life of prayer, uh, you will be growing. Uh, you know, from time to time, you'll see a, a, a younger believer go from person to person. I'm so different. Can't you tell? And I'm so different. Can't you tell? I'm so different. Can't you tell? Well, yes, I can tell you're different. You're you're acting like a madman. I. It, there's no need um, to be frustrated and to always be, uh, you know, an apple tree. Um, they don't they're not always looking to see if the apples have started to grow. They're just being apple trees and, and the apples will over time, uh, the the fruit will appear. I understand that. I think it's an apple tree. It takes four or five years to, for apples, at least ones that you can eat, um, to, to, to be able to to even grow them. And so it does take time. And, and really it's a lifetime. I've been walking with the Lord now for 30 years and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to 20, 30, 40 more of uh, just growing with him. If Jesus tarry or if the Lord doesn't call me home. So uh, it took them five to seven years. It says, verse 18 again of Joshua 11, Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. Verse 19, there was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, except the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon. All the others they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might utterly destroy them, and that they might receive no mercy, but that he might destroy them as the Lord had commanded Moses. <laughs> now I, I have to remind you here that where it says the Lord uh, hardened their hearts. Remember, 450 years earlier in the book of Genesis, uh, the Lord had told Abraham, look, um, this is your land, but you're not going to possess it for over 400 years because the fullness of the sin of the Amorites has not come to completion. And so... um, It's not as if the Lord hardened their hearts here and their hearts prior to the Lord hardened their heart. Their hearts were perfectly pure uh, towards him. No, uh, their hearts were thoroughly hard here. And um, you have... Uh, God merely strengthening them in their hardness. And the a- example, if you've never heard um, from the book of Exodus, is that in uh, when Pharaoh started dealing with uh, Moses in the beginning in Exodus chapter 8, it says that Moses, that rather that Pharaoh hardened his heart uh, and did not heed uh, Moses. And... Uh, the word there is the word, uh, kabad, which is also the word for glory, by the way, which means heavy. And and so, he hardened he he hardened his own heart. But then in Exodus chapter nine, it says, but then it it mentions that the Lord, not Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh. A different Hebrew word, chazak is uh is mentioned there and the idea w- with that different word is strengthening so he's it's like the lord is strengthening pharaoh in his the heart that pharaoh himself had, had already uh hardened and so uh, Lord, it really, it, essentially, what's happening, the Lord is giving them over to sin. So, same word used here in verse 20, Hebrew word, uh, where it says, For it was the Lord to harden their heart, chazak, not um, kabad, but chazak. Their their hearts were already hardened, they hardened them themselves over a period of, of hundreds of years. Oh, the long suffering um, of the Lord. I, I. I got to tell you, I'm just greatly impacted uh, going through Romans on Sunday morning. Uh, that verse, where it says uh, verse two four of chapter two, do you despise the riches of his goodness, the forbearance and long suffering? The, so the rich, are you despising? Do we not appreciate the riches of God's long suffering? And uh, you know, I I got to tell you, I. Uh, 20 years ago, I was sure that the Lord was about to torch the United States just because of the gravity of the sin of his country. Now, he may do that tomorrow, but but what I realize now is, wow, you know, the long suffering of the Lord. With the Amorites, he waited 400, 450 years after Moses, and they were already sinning at that time. And so... um I don't know how much mercy he's going to have on America. I'm praying for another revival, a revival like the one that uh, has swept this country once or twice each century for the past three or four centuries. I'm praying for that again. I believe it will happen. But um, the Lord and his long suffering and he was, you know, these These Amorites here, these Canaanites here, the amount of long-suffering the Lord uh, had towards them until he finally gave them over to their own sin. Do not despise the riches of God's long-suffering for the people around you. Don't judge them. I have been guilty of that so many times. Verse 21, And at that time Joshua came and cut off the Anakim from the mountains, from uh, mountains, from Hebron, from Debeir, from Anab, from all the mountains of Judah, and from all the mountains of Israel, Joshua utterly destroyed them with their cities. None of the Anakim were left in the land of the children of Israel. They remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. So here the Anakim, the giants, um, are wiped out completely. And we remember that in uh, Numbers chapter 13, when the 12 spies went a year after being delivered from Egypt, twelve spies were sent into the land of Israel to spy out the land, and ten came back. And basically, they uh, they filled the nation of Israel with fear by, among other th- things, telling them, verse thirty-three of chapter thirteen of Numbers, "We saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, there, and we were like grasshoppers." In our own sight, and so um, they were filled with fear. They wept all night. They wanted to stone Moses, go back to Egypt. So um, here you have it, just like that. Joshua goes in and defeats all those giants. And 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 you know, this isn't just positive thinking. We as uh, as the body of Christ uh, need to just. We just need to move forward in obedience with God, what God is telling us to do. And there will be anakim in our life, whether it's a boss or neighbors or or, or, or fellow students. In, in, in one way or another, um, we're going to be up against the anakim. The last thing we should do is be motivated by fear and run uh, or, or doggy paddle, even worse, doggy paddling. We, we just... We gotta move forward, uh, and so the Anakim are defeated. Uh, interesting here, this reference uh, to, at the end of verse 22: they remained only in Gaza, in Gath, and in Ashdod. Apparently, in that area, which we know to be the Philistines, they they didn't they didn't marshal their armies and go out and fight Israel. And for some reason, it's never really addressed although it may be later. I may be proved wrong there, but um, those lands were not taken over. Remember, it says here in verse 22 that that Anakim, the giants, remained in Gath. And of course, who was from Gath? Uh, Goliath. Uh, And and so so interesting that just the mercy and grace of God that uh, they do not wind up um, um, defeating this area of Gaza here. And... And four centuries later or something like that, um, one of these giants is uh, defeating Israel. But then the grace of God, God uses it as an opportunity to reveal to not only Israel, but the world. And millions, no billions since then, the greatness of God when David slays Goliath. But uh, so... Verse uh, 23, uh, interesting verse. It, it, it does say there that um, Joshua took the whole land. It uses the word whole according to all that the Lord had uh, said to Moses. And Joshua gave it as an inheritance to Israel according um, to their divisions by their tribes. Then the land rested from war. And so uh, now we're going to learn in just a little while, in fact, we really did in the previous verse, that there's still areas um, of, of land that had not been taken over. So the question is frequently asked, well, why does it say that he took the whole land according to all that the Lord um, had said to Moses well? Um, as I understand the grammar there, I think that's the word whole, you know, is, is used sort of loosely um, from time to time in Hebrew. Um, uh, for example, you, uh, you, you may say uh, well, in, in Deuteronomy or Numbers, it may say Moses talked to the whole assembly of Israel. Well, that would have been impossible because there was two million people. Uh, and so here... Um, it doesn't literally mean every piece of land uh, that God had promised to him it, what it what it means is that well, I'll put it I'll quote pulpit commentary with which uh says it in this scholarly kind of way. Joshua established an unquestioned military preponderance. In Palestine. Uh, and, and so the idea is that there's no more overt resistance. Uh, the, there's no one coming aca- against them. There's no more need for the all 12 tribes to be united with each other to fight the land. Because remember, The women and uh, the wives and children of the Gadites, Reubenites, and half tribe of Manasseh—they're back on the other side of the Jordan, waiting for dad or husband to come home. Uh, And so, there's no way there was time enough for all the guerrilla warfare and that type of thing. Those folks needed to get back to their wives and children. We will see that after this point, that uh, it's going to be up to the tribes themselves uh, to finish up what you might call the dirty work or uh, the, the 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 pockets uh, <coughs> of of the enemy that had not been completely taken over, but at this point that the point the, there's peace in the land that rested from war, that's the idea there. So uh, chapter twelve. Uh, there's a list here of the 33 kings that are defeated. So it's, it's almost a pause here. And, and they, you know, there's a record of actually naming by names the kings that have been defeated. And, yeah, you know, I, I love how from time to time you see this in the Bible that it, it really is evidence that the, it doesn't have a human author. From time to a time, uh, someone just, the Holy Spirit has the writer just break for a time of thanksgiving and praise. I I think of Genesis 49, where uh, Jacob is reciting all the blessings um, of his different children, and then all of a sudden in the middle, out of nowhere, in verse 18, he says, "'I have waited for your salvation, O Lord.'" In Genesis forty-nine, eighteen, 18 and, and this is this is what happens from time to time here it all it's almost like they pause and they and they they pause and for a time of, of just recording their victories and it's a time to just really meditate wow I can't believe how long how far, rather, the Lord has taken me. And it's so important uh, that you and I do that in, in the rush of life, particularly American life, where we seem to be in a rush to do virtually everything, that we stop and take the long view, a long view of the past. It's like, wow. Look at what the Lord has done and even just write out those kings that have been defeated in your life or those those advancements, that the land, uh, so to speak, uh, that you have come to possess over time. So chapter 12 says, these are the kings of the land among the children of Israel that the children of Israel uh, defeated and whose land they possessed on the other side of the Jordan uh, toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the eastern Jordan plain. So they start off with east of the Jordan. One king was Sihon, king of the Amorites who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled half of Gilead from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, from the middle of that river, even as far as the river Jabbok, which is the border of the Ammonites. And the eastern Jordan plain, from the Sea of Chenareth, as far as the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, the road to Beth-Jeshemoth, and southward below the slopes of Pisgah. The other king... Again, he's continuing here east of the Jordan, was Og king of Bashan in his territory who was of the remnant of the giants who dwelt at Astra and at Idre uh, and reigned over Mount Hermon, over Saka, over all Bashan, as far as the border of the Gershites and the Maccathites, and over half of Gilead to the border of Sihon king of Heshbon. Verse 6, These Moses, the servant of the Lord, and the children of Israel had conquered, and Moses, the servant of the Lord, had given it as possession to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half tribe of Manasseh. And these, now he's going to start west of the Jordan here, are the kings of the country which Joshua and the children of Israel conquered on this side of the Jordan, on the west, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon as far as Mount the and the ascent of Seir, that would be referring to Edom, which Joshua gave to the tribes of Israel as a possession according to their divisions. In the mountain country, in the lowlands, in the Jordan plain, in the slopes, in the wilderness and in the south, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Now he starts listing the king. So verse 8 was the nations. Verse 9 is is the king so he says the king of jericho one <coughs> the, the word one is used throughout here just to divide um, uh, each king from another Verse 9, The king of Jericho, 1. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, 1. The king of Jerusalem, 1. The king of Hebron, 1. The king of Jarmoth, 1. The king of Lachish 1. The king of Eglon, 1. The king of Gizer, 1. The king of Debir, 1. The king of Geter, 1. The king of Hormah, 1. The king of Arad 1. The king of Libna, 1. The king of Adlam, 1. The king of başmarked 1. The king of Bethel, 1. Sounding like a rap song here. Verse 17 The king of Tabua, Tapua, rather, one. The king of Hefer, one. The king of Aphik, one. The king of Lasheron, one. The king of Madon, one. The king of Hazar, one. The king of Shimron, Meron, one. The king of Achshaf, one. The king of Tanakh, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kiddish, one. The king of Joknian and Carmel, one. The king of Dor and the heights of Dor, one. The king of the people of Gilgal won, the king of Turzo won, all the kings, 31. So if you put them, uh, the 31 kings west of the Jordan with the two kings east of the Jordan, that would be 33. And so, again, uh, so important sometimes, particularly in a time of discouragement, that we pause. And remember the astonishing journey that the Lord has put us on. And when I think of uh, Steffi and I, um, and what um, what has happened, uh, you know, over the years, the 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 people that have that have been discipled, that have been saved, uh, that have been. Uh, uh married and are now um, fruitful uh, in the Lord and uh, people who have gone off to other parts and um, and are doing well and fruitful then. I'm just I'm just in awe of just the victory of the fruit and and you know each although I just ran through each of these cities so rapidly, each one was um, it was hard. Uh, with the exception of possibly Jericho, uh, I mean, th- it was hard fighting. And, and you know, it, sometimes in the battle, you're wondering, uh, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? And this is really, really hard. And is it worth it? Well, it will be. I promise you. <laughs> you. You look back at it. And, and, and over time, it's just not one, it's not five, it's, it's, it's 10, 20, 33 kings that you look back at, and, and the victories are great, and each one of them is unique in the faithfulness of God, and just the testimony of the Lord. What's important here, as my mentor Damien Kyle says, um, time and obedience. <laughs> you need to obey. You can't stop. You can't say, "Okay, I'm comfortable now." I, you know, I, I know there's 33 kings, but I, I'm, I'm fine with whatever eight kings. No, if you stop, then you may lose your eight kings. Uh, you, you can't continue. You need to continue on with obedience. But, but the other thing that's necessary is time. Uh, you, you, you cannot assume um, that just. Everything is going to happen overnight. It it just simply doesn't uh, work like that. Um, there's that great expression uh, in the Bible called "waiting on the Lord," and we'll we'll see a, a great example of that um, with uh, with Caleb in in chapter chapter 14 um, of someone who actually waited on the Lord. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean doing anything. Rather, it doesn't mean doing nothing. It means actively fighting the fight as God has told you to fight it, knowing that it's going to take time for all the battles, all the kings, to be won. Uh, And and so time plus obedience will produce an incredible amount of fruitfulness. I mean, a, a lot of times it's uh you wonder, look is is this um, am I ever gonna see fruit from this? Oh, you will. <laughs> uh, the Bible says, don't be weary in, uh, in, in in doing good. Over time you will um, you will bear fruit. Now what that looks like, I have no idea. Um, but uh, you will have tangible fruit that you will be able to uh, point to now when I say fruit, I mean the life of God, Uh, being produced somehow or the hand of God being demonstrated somehow uh, in your life and in the lives of the people around you. And so there you have it, the 33 Kings. Chapter 13, uh, many people think this is part two um, of of Joshua. uh, Chapters one through 12 is part one. Uh, part two is is here and they think they believe this because of, of really the very first uh, uh, verse here it says now Joshua is old, advanced in years and the Lord said to him, you are old advanced in in years and there remained very much land yet to be possessed and then what um, what follows there is uh, in Joshua. What follows there is um, Joshua thirteen uh, in which in which um, there will be a description of um, how the land is going to be uh, carved up to, you know, amongst the, the different tribes of Israel. But uh, we will start there uh, again with Joshua part two. We'll start there next time. Uh, but for this lesson, we, we, we will stop at this point. So uh, God bless you and we'll, um, we'll meet up again as we start chapter 13 next time.